Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Yeah, is this back? Awesome. Thank you. Praise God. Celebrate Jesus and have your seat in God's presence. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. Are you glad to be in service this morning? Amen. God is good. And all the time, the Word of God is so powerful. So, so powerful. All right. Wow. We're about starting a new teaching series. Who's excited about that? <laughs> okay. Um, it promises to be very enlightening. I trust God to teach as much as I can because this is very essential to your establishment and doctrinal maturity. Amen. So I'll need you to take notes, pay attention, and understand what the Holy Spirit will be saying through me to you. All right. So we'll be teaching on gifts generally all right we'll be talking about spiritual gifts we'll be talking about gifts of the spirit we'll be talking about ministry gifts um, all of them are under the you know big heading spiritual gifts they are all under spiritual gifts but ministry gifts gifts of the spirit are all under spiritual gifts and every single one of us has a spiritual gift from God all right so this morning I'll be sharing I hope to get to the title towards the end of this teaching but I'll be sharing on something that is very fundamental to our operating in the gifts of the spirit and in spiritual gifts it's important that we understand this and I'll need you to pay attention as much as you possibly can. There are a few passages of scripture we'll be going through because these passages of scripture capture the essence of the thoughts of the Holy Spirit regarding this particular subject matter. So we'll be going through Romans chapter 12 from verse 3 to 8. We'll be going through Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 1 to about... 14 thereabout we'll be going through Romans or first Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1 to the end literally so those are very long readings and um, I intend to bore you with KJV praise God <laughs> so blessed are those who don't get bored with KJV but they shall receive revelation knowledge <laughs> Amen. KJV. I love KJV. I learned the Bible in KJV. I quote scripture in KJV. So I'm a very passionate uh, proponent of KJV. Amen. So let's read sequentially. All right. So Romans, then, which one comes after Romans? Ephesians? Before Corinthians? <laughs> Romans, Corinthians, and then Ephesians. All right, Romans chapter 12. Amen. Okay. I'm sure we all know verse 1 and 2, the very popular passage of scripture regarding transforming your mind through the renewing of your mind with scripture verse 3 says for I know through the grace given unto me to every man so I'd like us to pay attention read from your Bible if you have one or focus on the screen if you do not have one okay so for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is amongst you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith verse 4 for as we have many members in one body 
and all members have not the same office. Praise God. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Praise the name of the Lord. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the entire chapter. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give unto you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord and there are diversities of operations but it is the same God which works in all which works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given unto every man to profit with all for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing all right by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but all these works that one that one and self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, all right, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we all are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and having and have been made and have all and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where where the hearing if the whole were hearing where were the smelling amen praise God welcome to KJV but now have God set the members every one of them in the body has it had pleased him and if there were one if there were all one member where were the body but now are there many members yet but one body and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. All right, nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have, ab have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same
same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. We'll begin to read from verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, but unto every one of you is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, was it what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all in all all right that he might feel all things and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby the line waits to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love praise the name of the Lord the Lord bless the reading of his word amen amen powerful powerful passages of scripture that I believe every believer should be very familiar with amen these are spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit right there through the authors of scripture is putting some context structure and administration to how the gifts of the Spirit should function in the local assembly and there are some things I'd like to be pointing out to you this morning as an introductory message all right regarding these gifts it's important that we understand it else we can't move further from here we can't move further without understanding what I'm about to share with you this morning if you read Romans chapter 12 let's go back to Romans chapter 12 I'll just be picking out some things some very interesting thoughts to share with you if you notice verse 3 says I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is amongst you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith the measure of faith and of course the context is talking about spiritual gifts okay so 1 Corinthians 12 begins to talk about 
course, the bulk of 1 Corinthians 12 begins to talk about how that there shouldn't be schism in the body, how that there shouldn't be competition in the body, how that someone should not be saying, because I am the prophet, I am the pastor, I am the evangelist, I am the teacher, I am superior to the one who cleans the chair, I am superior to the one who serves in another capacity that is not me. Okay, so he says, let every single person be sober. You don't just think of yourself more highly than you ought. So he begins to talk about the, the, the subject of humility, the subject of soberness. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And so it is the same Lord that gives that same gift or that different gift to different people. So you do not honor someone based on his gift. You honor the person based on the Lord who gave the gift. The same Lord is rich unto all who received separate gifts from him do you understand that so I don't judge a person by the gift he possesses or works in I judge a person by the Lord who gave him the gifts do you understand that so that there will be no schism in the body he says there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit differences of administration but the same Lord diversities of operation but it is the same God which works all in all so when I see God working in a person's life it is that God I honor but we live in a very carnal, worldly system where gifts look superior to others. So when I manifest the gift of prophecy and I can tell you stuff that you did not know before now, you seem to have a high regard for me as a spiritual juggernaut because, well, I, I am the one putting my ear to the heart of God and I can hear spiritual things that nobody else has access to. And so you seem to see me and put me on a pedestal that you don't put yourself because I operate in a gift that you, you think is superior to the ones you possess. The same Lord. So he says, listen, you've got to be very careful when it comes to the gift of the Spirit. Humility is important. Romans 12 tells us that. Ephesians 4 also tells us something about that. How that we should enable to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 2 says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So before he begins to introduce the concept of spiritual gift, he begins to talk about humility, meekness, lowliness of heart. This is what makes you a sure vessel to manifest the gift of the Spirit. Your humility. You know, the Holy Spirit told me yesterday, well, of course, you may not be able to, uh, this is what I received in my place of meditation. So let, let me just put it that way. He said, the administration of the gifts of the Spirit refers to the character of the vessel that must move in the things of the Spirit. He says, but the operations are unique to the gifts. But the administration of all the gifts are the same. So every spiritual gift is administered in love and humility. No matter the kind of gift it is. It must be administered with the spirit of love and humility. However, depending on your operations, depending on the gift, that is what will determine the way the gift is manifested. Do you see? And so operationally, there may be uniqueness in the manifestations of the gifts of the spirit and the spiritual gifts. But administratively, what we find in a prophet, we shall find in a teacher. What we find in someone prophesying, we must find in someone working miracles. Administratively, we should be able to see love and humility in everyone that manifests the gifts of the spirit. When we see someone administering the gift of the spirit, the same administration, love and humility... 
generic. But when it comes to operations, there are different equipments and tools that the Lord gives to individual vessels that are operating those unique gifts of the Spirit. So that is why he says, different administration, the same Spirit. Different operations, the same Lord. So administratively, there should be a unifier. When we see someone operating in the gift of the Spirit, we must not be able to doubt your love and meekness and lowliness of mind. Haven't you seen people who use their prophetic gift to berate and downgrade people? You know what you're about to say will not edify that person. It will make you look superior to everybody else in the church. So you call someone out, embarrass the person because you are privy to an information that will embarrass the person in the presence of many witnesses. And you say it with so much... I saw a video recently of a certain man who, who gave a prophetic word. Praise God. Boy. Talk about shoulder pad. I mean, he gave the prophetic word and just because it was right, he threw the mic on the floor and he kept walking away and bodyguards surrounded him. Said, don't go, sir. Don't, don't, don't leave us. Don't leave us. Praise God. Because people have made the gift of the spirit about themselves. It is about the body. The qualifier is that you exalt the body above yourself. You exalt the body above your reputation. You exalt the body ab above how you want people to perceive you. That's why we have a lot of people performing on stage. Because it's all about them and how they're perceived by the local assembly. The body must be magnified. And how you magnify the body is in humility, lowliness of heart, and love. That is how the gift of the spirit is administered. Every spiritual gift must be administered with the cloak of love and humility. Reason is because you did not work for the gift. It's called a gift. Amen. Amen. I love the fact that they are called gifts. Praise the name of the Lord. There is no contribution in it. You did not contribute a quarter, anything to receive a gift. A gift is a gift. And that is exactly where I'm going to be tabernacling this morning. About an understanding you need to have about gifts. Let me show you something else again. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. This will make you understand what this is all about. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Read that. It says unto every single one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Then go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to grace. I'll read it again. Ephesians 4 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to gifts. Verse 6, Romans 12. Having then different gifts according to grace. You can't understand the concept of a gift without understanding grace. Because they are literally one and the same thing. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the gifts of Christ. Unto every one of us is given gifts according to the grace of Christ. So gift and grace are exactly the same thing when it comes to the administration and the operations of the gift of the Spirit in any local assembly upon every or any vessel. You need to understand that. How do you receive a gift? How are gifts administered? 
gifts are administered in humility. When I give you a gift, you did not work for it. You did not ask for it. I give it to you from the benevolence of my heart. You receive it with humility of heart. The title of my teaching this morning is No Equity Contribution. A gift is a gift. It must not become the basis of superiority. It's a gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you work for your money, quote and unquote, you have more bragging right than the one who received it as a gift. Do you see? Because one received it as a gift. He is a function of the benevolence of the giver. He's not a function of his own hard work or diligence. His state, his stature, his financial net worth is a function of the benevolence of the inheritance that he received. So when I see the gift at work, I don't praise the gift user. I praise the gift giver. No man can receive anything except it be given from above. That's the most fundamental understanding you need to have about spiritual gifts. It is the fact that they are gifts. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8. Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. And it says, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So boasting is accommodated only in contribution. When you contribute to a particular stake, to a particular business, you have a portion to the degree of your contribution of control. So control follows after contribution. Authority follows after contribution. If you are asked me to invest in a company and I buy it up 100%, I determine what happens in that business 100%. If I buy 40% shares, I determine to the degree of 40% what happens in that business. But when it comes to your salvation package, God ensured that you had no contribution to it. So that you will never have a need to boast. You receive it with humility. He says it is the gift of God. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Not of contribution. Not of donation. Lest any man should boast. You didn't contribute one cent to your salvation package. God finished it and handed it over to you for free. Even the faith you used to receive it is not yours. You know, a lot of times we've made faith into works. Oh dear. Amen. How about not speaking over your heads? He says, and that not of yourself. That is, even the faith is not of yourself. The faith in the believer is not the faith of the believer. <laughs> the faith of the believer is not the faith from the believer. Hallelujah. The faith in you is not the faith of you. Praise the name of the Lord. So both the grace and the faith were supplied into you. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Bible says for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God. The faith of the son of God is now my faith. Jesus and his works on the cross of Calvary is now my performance. That is what matters. I have no contribution. I only receive. In Christ, there are no contributors. There are only receivers. There are no contributors in Christ. There are only receivers. And so he says that that faith is the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Even your faith is not of you. 
your faith is of the Son of God. So the faith you are using is not from you, it's from above. So both the faith and the grace were given. You know, there's a way we see faith as our own contribution. Faith is not your contribution, sir. Faith is of him. It's called the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. And Bible says, being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is through Christ, that is the righteousness of God by faith. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. There is a faith of him. And this is why the children of Israel could not be saved. There are people who, if they don't have a contribution in the matter, they are not interested. Because they don't ever want to lose control. They are not willing to submit. Hi. Amen. Amen. Have you seen people who find it difficult to receive gifts? It's a sign of pride. It's a dangerous sign of pride. They find it difficult to ever be in debt to anyone. They find it difficult to submit to someone's superiority because the giver is always superior. How can you be giving me something? Yes, I don't need anything. into this after service praise God we're good amen I hope this doesn't turn off again praise God where was I so yes that's why the children of Israel could not be saved Romans chapter 10 from verse 1 the Bible says my heart desire for the children of Israel is that they may be saved with all the covenant relationship that they had with Yahweh with all the things that they saw through the wilderness through the Old Testament with all the covenant relationship that God caught with them and their fathers Bible says Paul speaking that they were not saved as a Romans chapter 10 they were not saved he says my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they may be saved he says because I bear them record that they have a zeal but that zeal is not according to knowledge that zeal is not according to knowledge the Bible says that they being ignorant of the righteousness of God went about to establish their own righteousness they refused to submit so their problem is that they couldn't submit that's the problem they couldn't submit to the righteousness of God they had better have a type of heaven as well because that is the only place their own righteousness can lead them to if you want to get to the heaven of the heavens the one where God the creator of the universe created for his sons and children you had better be willing to line up with his own form of righteousness so they went about establishing their own righteousness and in the same vein refusing to submit to the righteousness of God and then the next verse tells us something really profound it says because Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes 
what they are trying, struggling so hard to mount up in terms of treasures and heaps of performance, Christ has become the end of the law to everyone who believes. Where they are looking forward to is our past. Where they are looking forward to to attain in terms of performance. Christ, the moment you come into Christ and you receive him by faith, you already assume that status. He has become the end of the law because you believe. So you no longer are subjected to the room to demanding fulfillment of the law. The law is abolished in the fulfillment of Christ. So once you get into Christ, the law is already fulfilled on your behalf. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. They fail to believe. They say we will continue to contribute. And that contribution will never be complete. Because they are flawed humans. Only Christ could fulfill the law without any flaw. Only Christ could fulfill the law without any flaw. And so Christ fulfilled it and said, only believe. You get it. Christ is the end of the law. Hallelujah. Christ is the end of the law. Somebody really needs to believe that this morning. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. Everything you found in the Old Testament about the law, the 20 commandments, the 10 commandments, the 200 ceremonial laws, every single thing, Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. Once you believe him, everything is accrued into your account as righteousness. Everything is accrued into your account as righteousness. So you don't have to do it to receive righteousness, you just believe it to receive righteousness. You believe his works and righteousness is transferred into your account. Hallelujah. What an impossible equation. Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. The children of Israel exemptions. They don't want to believe because they want to have contributions. Have you ever been to a cinema where you paid $100,000 for? There is an arrogance with which you enter into that hall. There is a way the bouncers must treat you because you contributed. In fact, their salary is being paid from what you contributed. Do you understand? And so you get into that cinema and they've not started by 10 o'clock. And you're wondering, is, it, is this what I paid for? Do you know that there is an arrogance with which people behave because they are contributors? That is why customers are lousiest in stores and supermarkets. Everywhere else, they are kind and gentle, humble. Once they get into a place, they begin to scream because they believe customer is king because they have, they have contribution to that enterprise. They have money to give to spend and you need that money so you treat them well. Even when you know they are being very silly and naughty and childish. You have no right to say they are being childish. Whatever you want, ma'am. Whatever you say, ma'am. And in your mind, you're like, you're really <laughs> Because they believe they are contributing here. I'm paying your salary. My two five basket size of goods is what is paying your salary. There is that sense of entitlement. And so you get into that cinema hall and then uh, there is a delayed start to the show and you're already getting irritable. You're already getting annoyed. And then at the end of the two hour event, you're like, it was not even that interesting. There is that arrogance. But imagine they gave you a free ticket. A free ticket, $100,000 worth of ticket. Somebody bought it and gave it to you. Let them slap you in front of the gate. Don't, don't worry, I will enter this place. I have a ticket. You are not offended. Why? There is a humility that comes with receiving a gift. You will enter to that. They are just 10:30 start, no problem. I will see this thing to the end. You are excited. You are humble because a gift was given. You didn't contribute. Israelites couldn't deal with it. 
we have to contribute to this. We have to pay penance. We have to walk in a certain way. We have to be able to quote all the verses of scripture and Psalms. We must be able to contribute to our salvation. At the end of the day, we don't want it to be just by God's grace. What is grace? My contribution must be there however little I must contribute. They were not willing to submit to the righteousness of God. So guess what? They couldn't be saved. It's not sinners that don't get saved. It's the proud that don't get saved. It's not sinners. God came to save sinners. But he can't save a proud man. He can't. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Every sinner who is humble will be saved. And every morally just man who is proud can never be saved. It's not about your do's and don'ts. It's about your yes, Lord. Have your way. It's all about how humble you are, really. It's all about how humble you are. Christ is the end of the law unto every single person that believes. We see that also in Romans chapter 8 from verse 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. In that what the law could not do because it was weak in the flesh, God sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? So that the righteousness of the law can be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled in me. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And they that after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For a carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are not, they that are of the flesh cannot please God. How do you please God? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. That is it is humble people that can please God because only the humble can receive faith to acknowledge and appropriate grace. Without faith it is impossible to please God. If you don't please God you can be saved. You receive by faith. Romans 8 verse is it 7 now? Verse 7 he says what does it say in verse 7? It says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They are in the flesh because they are not in faith. They are not in faith because they are proud. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sure. They that in the flesh cannot please God. Because it takes faith to please God. And it is by faith we know him. Amen. Amen. Adora, amen. Some of you have been judging yourself too harshly. Saying, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an injurious. <laughs> oh, you've not heard that part of scripture. First Timothy 1.12. It says, but thank God. Thank God. Thanks be to God, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who hath enabled me. He says, counting me faithful. Other version says, counting me worthy. Putting me in the ministry. Who was before? 
a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. He says, but I've received mercy because I did them ignorantly in unbelief. Can you receive the perception of God over your life and stop giving him reasons to hop over you? Because that is where the problem really begins when it comes to spiritual gifts. Anyone who does not believe he's worthy of that gift will never walk in it. You will never walk in it. You are too defeated in your mind to think that it is your type that will prophesy. You, pro what? You want to prophesy. You're a liar. The best you can do is prophesy. lie. You can never prophesy. That's what the devil tells you. So the first thing God wants you to understand is how to receive by faith. How to receive by You have no contribution to your manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. No contribution. No contribution. Because verse 9, Romans 8, he says, But you are not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He says, If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And he says, if Christ be in you, your body is dead because of sin, and your spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead, guess what? If you are born again, the spirit of Christ dwells in you because what happened on the day you got born again was resurrection. That's what happened to you the day you got born again. You were raised from the dead. You who were dead in trespasses and sins were raised up together with him. That is what happened on the day you got born again. You were raised from the dead. So if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Hallelujah. So it begins to tell us why we are debtors. So the eternal status of everyone that is saved is a debtor. Tell your neighbor you're a debtor. Some people cannot afford to be in debt. So you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, right? I'm not saying you should go and be boring up and down. <laughs> but when it comes to spiritual things, you will never escape the red line. You can't escape it. You won't get to a place where you are contributing. You would always be in debt. What he has done would always be far more than what you could ever do. <laughs> so you are always in the red line, in the red zone. See, see, he said, now therefore, brethren, this is our eternal status. We will never update it. We are debtors. Not of the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Tell your neighbor, you shall live. <laughs> you think I was about to say, shall die? No. <laughs> None of us shall die, but live. Amen. He says, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit mortify, to mortify means to kill the passions of the flesh. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. He says, you shall live. For as many as are led. Uh-huh. Every time we quote this scripture, it's about one man that you want to marry. Is he George or Frederick? Is neither. That's the response. Uh -huh. Is he George or Frederick? As many as are led by the Spirit. Oh, I'm led. That consecration, that's the context. Amen. There's a brother here who is getting married soon. His younger brother's name is Frederick. <laughs> is anybody considering Frederick here? Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says, 
if you mortify the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit, he says you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For I have not received the spirit of bondage again of fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. If heirs, we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. For if so be that we suffer with him, we ought also to be glorified together with him. Then the verse of scripture we quoted last week, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature patiently awaits the manifestations of the sons of God for even the creation has been subject to vanity there is so much hanging on your neck remember the teaching where I talked about how that creation is waiting on you to be delivered there is a chain on the neck of creation waiting on your manifestation so they can be delivered. We went through all of these verses of scripture to understand the protocol of faith. Because without faith, you can't please God. If you don't understand faith and grace, you can't walk in the gifts of the spirit. You would always be trying to use the gift of the spirit to prove superiority. It's too common. It's too common. You have a small tashere gift of the spirit. You begin to feel like you are better than anybody. That is not how. The gift of the spirit and its manifestations have never been a form or a reflection or an indicator of your growth. The most anointed in the gift of the spirit in the entire epistles were the most corrupt and carnal. First Corinthians. Second Corinthians, you see that the entire first Corinthians in second Corinthians, Paul began to address the rebukes he gave them in first Corinthians. Thank God they had repented. Sexual sins was very common amongst them, so they were so powerful in the manifestation of the gift of the spirit, but their life didn't really prove Christ. No character, no holiness. So you see, don't use the manifestation of the gift of the spirit as a yardstick to measure your spiritual growth and stature. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So if you see how Paul began to introduce these thoughts in Romans and 1 Corinthians and in Ephesians was with humility first. Lowliness of mind. Exalt the body above yourself. Exalt the body above your reputation. Exalt the body above your pride or your ego. Exalt the body. This is why the most excellent way at the end of 1 Corinthians 12 is the way of love. Because 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. He says this is how to get into the best gifts. Amen. Because the biggest undoing in your manifestation of the gift of the Spirit will be pride. It's not that the gift will stop working. It's that you will enter into a zone that the gift does not afford you. Because there are boundaries in grace. You need to understand this. Amen. There are boundaries in grace. A certain man who was a prophet, a healing prophet, a healing apostle, great guy, he, he just believed at some point, ah, I've gotten to a point where I should start teaching by now. The grace of the, uh, the prophetic and the grace of the healing that he carried will resist him in teaching. That same grace will resist him. There are boundaries in grace. You don't step out of grace to begin to operate. That's pride. You exalt the person who is teaching and say, this person, I see you operating in that gift and I count you a co-equal. And I honor the grace of God upon your life. I'm not trying to usurp your authority. 
simply because it looks like teaching is what everybody is looking for now. Let me now start teaching. The man started teaching and he practiced ministry. He died on timely death because he wanted to start teaching something he had not been empowered and engraced to do. Yes, you can grow in dimensions of the expressions of the gift of God upon your life. There's a lot we'll still share as we go through this particular teaching series that you need to understand. Someone can start out as an evangelist, end up as a prophet. Amen. Amen. Many of you, some of you are just hearing for this for the very first time, some of these things, but you need to pay attention to these things. This is what makes you a member of the body of Christ. You can't just be hearing about prosperity, breakthroughs, victories, and you don't understand how the structure of the local assembly is supposed to be ordered. He says, teach them in the local assembly how things must be done. Because the church is the ground and pillar of truth. People must understand how to behave in the house of God. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. You need to understand these things. I've seen families shipwrecked by a prophecy they received on the street. Someone looks at them and says, Ah, there is a problem in your life. Yes. <laughs> Many times they don't even know. They see anxiety and they just perceive uh, your mother. Yes. How did you know? Ah. Oh, my lady. <laughs> so, this is what you will do. And then you're already in fear and trepidation. The prophecy according to scripture should not bring fear, anxiety, and trepidation. It must edify comfort and encourage the saints. Even if what you saw is doom, you undo it with the way you deliver it. So it can encourage. You need to understand these things. I've seen people who would have married a solid brother until a prophet came with his Iprokupro and started prophesying anyhow. I was that. This is my husband. He said, No, the future I see. Which future do you see? Now, the future I see, it won't be rosy. What's that? It won't be rosy. When there's conviction in my heart, I have peace with God. This guy is a solid guy with character. Then they will send the lady out to go and be looking for someone that is not lost. Then you will find one guy and they'll say, Yes, I want to notice sorrow. And then they will lay their hands on that couple. Two years down the line, it's breaking up. It is by wisdom a house is built. By wisdom. Prophecies don't violate wisdom. You are not friends with this guy. You just bring him, you, you submit his name. Is he now an ex? You submit a name. Hello, Wuwa. I'm breaking tables here because I came with daggers and weapons of war. It's the truth, guys. Families have been destroyed because a hireling walked into their house in the name of a prophet. Someone, Bible says, the, their God is their belly. Check any of those prophetic guys. They receive money for everything they say. What kind of a prophecy is that one? Being enriched by slaughtering the saints. It's enough that are destroying their lives. You now receive a bargain for it again. What's that? Because the people too that are sponsoring such things with their ignorance, they don't know any better. You will know how to judge prophecies. You know how to edit. You edit prophecies. So they can be consistent. A prophetic word, you shouldn't be the first, that should not be the first time you are hearing it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This is, you need to understand how prophecies are administered. The gifts of the spirit. Spiritual gifts. It's important. 
So the first thing you need to understand is how to receive by faith. Because it is by faith you will operate in all of the spiritual gifts. All of them is by faith. How do you think I teach from time to time? It's by faith. It's by faith. It's just by faith. If I get crippled by my inadequacies and my weaknesses, I won't step up this stage to preach to you every Sunday. I just have to believe he has enabled me. Counted me worthy. Put me in the ministry. I'm going to grab that mic and preach. By faith. By faith. So in the same vein, when you receive a prompting in your spirit, you are preaching that gift by faith. By faith. Even if you feel a weakness in your body and your emotions, you receive grace by faith. He counted me worthy. Put me in the ministry. My opinion does not outweigh his own. My opinion of mine or the opinion that I have about my worthiness is inferior to his own opinion of me. He counted me worthy. Who am I to count myself unworthy? He counted me worthy. Put me in his ministry. Now he placed me in the ministry. I'm removing myself from the ministry he placed me in. I didn't put myself in it in the first place. I have no right to remove myself. He put me in the ministry. If he put me in the ministry, he's going to sustain me in ministry. He's going to perfect me in ministry. That is how you walk with God. By faith. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And if you think like an Israelite, thinking that you are the one in between. No, he's still everything in between. He's the perfecter, he's the author, and he's the entire process. He calls you, he empowers you to do what he has called you to do. And he will come and assess the things he has told you to do at the end of the day. How could you possibly fail except you stop walking by faith? How could you possibly fail? How could you stop being a useful vessel in the hand of God? Nobody believed Paul had got saved. Not one person except Barnabas. They couldn't align his past with his proposed future. Blasphemer, persecutor, gathered the clothes for the killing of the first martyr, Stephen. This guy was injurious. He couldn't be somewhere and not cause problems. He couldn't sit still. From one letter to the other, running from one pillar to post, destroying churches, killing the saints and martyring them. That was the preoccupation of Paul. He wouldn't have gotten married, whether he got saved or not. He was too preoccupied with persecuting the saints. The Lord hijacked him. The Lord hijacked him. Said he enabled me. What do you think the enablement came from? You think the enablement came, came 14 years after? You think it was after he spent three years in Arabia and then 14 years away from the pulpit that is when he was enabled? The moment God called him, he enabled him. The calling is the enablement. The calling is the equipping. The calling is everything you need. He called him and enabled him. The same vein, the same way, the same moment. He called him, enabled him, put him in ministry. Praise the name of the Lord. That's how you receive spiritual gifts. That's how you walk in them. That's how you operate in the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. It is by faith in God's grace. No contribution whatsoever from your end. No contribution. No equity contribution. You don't contribute to how you deserve to walk in that gift. I didn't contribute to me becoming a pastor. I didn't contribute to me becoming a teacher of God's word. I did not contribute to any manifestation of the gift of the spirit in my ministry. I didn't contribute. I walked in them by faith. And that's the understanding you also must have. Stop magnifying people above others. Because it's also a sign of pride. And that is what causes envy and lust. Ah, you are coveting a man's gift. 
They say, I, I want to sow into this ministry. Because you have exalted some above others. In some seasons of your life, all you will do and should do is to teach children. And you must be willing and humble enough to do it with grace. Because it's the same Lord. It is as, no, it is as notable. It is as noble as preaching on that altar to 5,000 members every Sunday. Stay there. Receive the grace for that assignment. Some people cannot do it. God enabled you, counted you worthy, put you in that ministry. Do it with grace and humility, lowliness of heart, forbearing one another in love. That is how you do this thing. Nobody comes here as a performer. This is not a concert. This is not O2 Arena. <laughs> no. This is the house of God. Everyone doing stuff here. We have been engraced. The Holy Spirit is the one doing everything. We only align with what he says. But not so you stop accruing. <sighs> Bible says so that there is no schism, so that there is no division, so that a part of the body is not feeling left out and saying, "Oh, I wish I was the head. I would have been made up today. Now because I'm the leg, nobody's making me up. Nobody's painting my toes." But the work you can do, the head cannot do it, and the head does not intimidate you. Without you. The head cannot be seen. The head cannot go anywhere. You magnify your office in humility because you know it is God that enabled you, counted you worthy, put you in the ministry. It doesn't matter your past, blasphemer, persecutor. Do you know why God chose Paul? Let me show you. It's very instructive. First Timothy chapter 1. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? He was talking about the long suffering of God. How God used him to communicate his long suffering. Please help me look at that scripture. Look for that scripture. Uh, amen. Just let me check for it. Good, 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 good. Verse 16. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to a life everlasting. If, if Paul had had a perfect past people would have excluded themselves from the package of salvation before they even got the chance to to receive it. A Paul. Do you understand what Paul said there? Let's read it again. 16. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering that is nobody can be worse a sinner than Paul that is what Paul is saying here he was a blasphemer listen Paul did not just kill people he killed the church do you understand the body of Christ when Jesus came and accosted him on the way to Damascus he didn't say why are you destroying the saints he said why are you persecuting me the only person I deliver to touch the anointed and he didn't die God saved him so that he could show through Paul the long suffering of Christ do you understand so get get to a point where compare yourself to Paul's former CV you can't be worse so in Paul he has already accommodated every kind of sinner that could ever exist he says God showed through me his long suffering for a pattern ah, as a sign that nobody can be worse than this guy and if you are just as worse he's a pattern 
if he was saved, you can be saved too. And if he was used to this degree, you can be used to whatever degree. Stop excluding yourself from the commonwealth of salvation. Stop excluding yourself. Stop excluding yourself from the commonwealth of those who manifest the gifts of the Spirit. Stop excluding yourself. My daddy said, I can't say that one. Who, who, who is my daddy? Eh? Understand. Understand. In Paul, God showed forth his long suffering. That is the highest extent of his demonstration of patience over a life. No matter how wayward, persecuting, blaspheming, injurious. If he showed mercy to Paul, it's a parable to anyone who is thinking he can show mercy to you. You can, you can be one day blasphemer and the next, the biggest deal to the epistles. Yes, you can. You can. You can. Too many people have excluded themselves. I can't prophesy. Who am I? I don't even read my Bible. Who am I? I can't, I can't, I can't. And that's where you get it all wrong. You receive it by faith. Because it was given by grace. The only compatible element to grace is faith. Not contribution. So whatever God has given to you by grace can only be appropriated, apportioned, and received by faith. And even that faith is not yours. That faith is of the Son of God. God imparted faith into you. So we are just, we are always going to be receivers for the rest of our lives. Receivers of the ministry. Receivers of the gift of the Spirit. Receivers of spiritual gift. Receivers of ministry gift. Receivers, receivers. So what have you received that, what do you have that you have not received? That's the only thing you can make a boast about. Something you worked for. In Christ, there will never be occasion for boasting. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody will be able to boast on the day of judgment. Nobody. We are all receivers. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How be it for this course? Can we read it in TPT? TPT. Amen. They don't have TPT. First Peter, First Timothy, chapter one. Hallelujah! This gets me so excited. He counted me worthy, putting me in the ministry. Hi! What a joy. First Peter, First Timothy, rather. First Timothy. Hallelujah. First Peter 1, 1 Timothy 1 in TPT, fantastic, 16. He says, Yet I was captured by grace so that Jesus Christ could display through me the outpouring of his spirit as a pattern to be seen for all those who would believe in him for eternal life. I'm sure if we read it in other translations, it will bring to bear the real essence of that scripture. The long suffering. Because it's not just grace. It's long suffering. It's not just grace. It's long suffering. He's saying that if I can suffer long with Paul, nobody. I suffered long with Paul. I kept believing. He was killing the saints. He was hurting me. He was choking me. He was killing me. But I kept bearing long with him. He was persecuting me. But I kept bearing long. That this guy, he will get saved one day. 
And because of the depth of the mire that God saved him from, he had an eternal gratitude to God. Because he didn't believe that anything he could do could pay his debt. That is why he said we are debtors. Because do you know what I did for God? Do you know what I did against the church? If he could save me, I will live all my life for him. That was what birthed that commitment, that doggedness, that loyalty to the cause of Christ. He had no business being in heaven. He said, he, at some point, he called himself the chief of sinners. Chief. In the congregation of sinners, his own throne would be there, exalted above all else. He was the chief of sinners. If God could save him. Who are you, Emopo? Who are you? Just the floor member. He was the chief. And through Paul, the Lord demonstrated his long suffering. So there is nobody here who cannot walk in the gift of the Spirit. None, none, none. Not one person. No one. No one. It's by faith. You have excluded yourself long enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I can't quote scripture. I can't pray. I can't. Who am I? You are Paul. And look at the extent to which God used Paul. Then he can use you. He can use you. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Amen. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. You need to receive by faith what God has done. You see, the reason why you need to receive it is because... Amen. I didn't touch one thing in the things I wrote down. Because the Lord will have me focus on this part, yeah? It's important. This is why it's important for you to grow into the stature of the office that he has bequeathed to you. Because every single one of us has an office. It's not only the ministry gifts that have office. Every single person, as, as far as you are part of the body of Christ, you have an office. Tell your neighbor, I have an office. Tell your neighbor, I'm an officer. Uh -huh. You have an office in the body of Christ. You have an office. So, so, look at this. Jesus told them in John 14, the works that I did, you shall do, and greater works. He was not talking to an individual. The only possibility for doing better than Jesus is when the church grows into the stature of the measure of Christ. Every single person coming into his position and into his office boldly in authority and faith. Every single person standing in strength like an army who do not break ranks. That is our only chance of matching what Christ did and doing more. Not one single person can outdo Jesus. You are too small. But in the context of the church, the body of Christ, it is through the church he feels all things in all. So when you stand up as someone who exhorts, you are not a preacher, you are not a teacher, you are not an evangelist, but you are an exhorter. And then every time you come to church, you are looking for people to exhort. Anyone who has a down face, a depressed look, uh, I will give that person a call on Wednesday and I'm just going to exhort him. I'm just going to exhort him. Guess what you are contributing? You are contributing to the essence of what the church will grow into. Your own may just be giving. When you come to church, you're looking for people to supply. People to give. People to go and look for their account numbers behind their backs. And send an anonymous 50k to them. That is your own assignment. Stop looking for people to grab the mic. 
There are too many offices that have been unoccupied. Too many offices unoccupied, empty, full of dust. And in the one office that will carry mic, everybody wants to carry the mic. Praise God. Your name is not P. Mike. You want to grab the mic. So what's your own? <laughs> That's the truth. There are too many offices. Amen. Focus. <laughs> too many offices unoccupied. Too many. Do you know what? Do you understand? Do you know the offices that they've never been discovered? Because the way Alex will run his own office is different. The way you will run your office is different. It's by the grace of God. And it's unique to your DNA, unique to your, to your personality. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you know the role of personality types in the manifestations of the gifts of these there? These are the things we would explore. So everything that was wired into you at birth, preordination, it was with your office in mind. Your personality, your tendencies. That's why Paul was an injurious. That was why he injured hell too. Do you understand? He was such a bold guy. Your personality was factored into your wiring. Just because of your office. God had your office in mind. Before you were born. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. So this idea of call is deeper than just I got saved. Then God called me. He had called you since before. You just came into that awareness. Before. Ask your neighbor, when did God call you? <laughs> uh -huh. you? You can answer, it's before. He didn't call you now. He called you before. You are just coming into that awareness. He called you before. Before, before. Amen. And he had that office in mind when he called you. He had that office in mind. So if you do not occupy your office, nobody will. And guess what? The church will be shot. The church will be stunted. The church will have stunted growth because somebody refused to enter into his office. Somebody refused to manifest the gift of God upon his life. Somebody excused everything away because of his past. Thank God Paul did not excuse it away. We wouldn't have had Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Philemon, we would not have had all these epistles. If Paul had neglected the call because of his past, just save me. Let me do what I need to do and make heaven. Was my own. Nobody will even believe me. After all I've done, nobody will believe me. Free, free ministry. What's, what's ministry? Let me just continue to pay penance for the rest of my life. The only way to say thank you is to do that work of the ministry. Do that work of the ministry. Stop giving yourself excuses. Oh, you, are, you don't have a good past. Who has a good past? No, you, you you want to compete on you have a bad past, Abi. You see people's past, you say sorry. <laughs> my past is not, nothing to write home about compared to this. But thank God for Paul. God used his life as a pattern of long suffering, so that nobody would exclude themselves from the Commonwealth years down the line. Enter into your office. Tell your neighbor. Enter into your office. <laughs> So this entire teaching series is about you entering into your office. It's a coronation series. You'll be coronating people. 
And what the Holy Spirit told me is this, that there will be a breakout of the manifestations of the gift of the Spirit in this house. Gifts don't follow necessarily holiness. And that's why you should still build your character and your fruit of the Spirit in spite of your manifestations of the gift of the Spirit. They follow after knowledge. So as I'm teaching you, I'm equipping you. As I'm teaching you, you are coming to terms to what you really need to do to manifest your gifts. Amen. So as you are growing in knowledge, you are growing in manifestation. So through the course of this teaching series, you will just realize you are seeing things. If you are someone with a prophetic anointing, you will begin to have dreams and visions. You begin to see things that will happen. And the Holy Spirit will give you legislative authority to avert those things. He will give you wisdom as to how to ensure that those things don't come to pass. Amen. Amen. And if you are someone here, you are a giver. I know givers who they've embraced their ministry as givers. They have never prayed for money. Never. I know them. They don't pray for money. They can go 10 years and not say, God, I need. God will look for every way. He will, he will look for every way to supply money to their hands. Because listen, God's thanksgiving is dependent on money getting to their hands. Once money gets into their hands, they will give it to people that will thank God on their behalf. So God will never starve himself of thanksgiving. He will always supply them resources. Because that's their gift. They give the bulk of their funds. Those kind of people were in, the, in scripture too. People like that, they didn't hold mic. They're like Paul. They didn't go to Athens and Colossae. They didn't, but they were sponsoring every trip that the missionaries did. Giving their substance willingly. Even Jesus. There were people in high powers, wives to governors, who were supporting the work of Jesus. Do you know? Yeah. Giving up their substance. And so you say, oh, I just want to hold mic. CP mic after service. <laughs> if, that's your, if that's your case. Because there, there's so much competition for this one mic. In many local assemblies, when offices are dusty, unoccupied. Unoccupied. Rise to your feet this morning. Rise to your feet this morning. And say, Lord, I thank you for enabling me. I thank you for enabling me, counting me worthy, putting me in the ministry. Can you say to the Lord right now this morning, you just tell him how grateful you are. You may not even know the ministry yet. You may not even understand the gift yet, but thank him. Thank you for counting you worthy, enabling you, putting you in this ministry. Thank him. And make a commitment that, Lord, I will thank you forever by active service. I will continue to thank you with my active service in this ministry. I'll continue to thank you. I'll continue to thank you. I will magnify my office. I will not belittle your opinion of me. I will not belittle your appointment of me. I will not belittle anything that you have ordained for me to achieve. I will do it with gladness of heart, with boldness and with authority. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. As a tribe, we come before you, Lord. We say thank you for counting us worthy and putting us in this ministry. Whatever our past was didn't matter to you. You counted us faithful. You put us in this ministry. Who does that? No antecedents. No history of performance. But you put him in an office. Wow. Lord, we are grateful. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. 
we give you praise and glory. Accept our thanksgiving in Jesus' name. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Can we rejoice this morning? Rejoice in the Lord for counting you worthy, putting you in the ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.